Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. Here we are in Isaiah chapter 55. And we've been seeing how, you know, there's a lot of stuff here that comes up um, more frequently in the lectionary. These are words that, that sound familiar but we should appreciate their whole texture and richness by understanding how they do apply to that situation of those exiles long ago in Babylon, devoid of a home, devoid of a homeland and identity, but restored and collectively as a whole, even resurrected as a people brought back to the promised land. And these words describe that situation as well as our own. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Those words, I mean, like, uh, I think I've heard those on some KFUO spots, right? And so, yeah, they're like, you know, certainly inspirational words. I think they're words that we intuitively feel some comfort from, but Let's take a look at how that fits our context today. And joining us, we've got Pastor John Shank, one of our regular guests, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, but today with us in the studios of KFUO, St. Louis. Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us as always. Excited to look at a chapter like Isaiah 55 that is one that kind of sounds familiar, but still has some stuff that's a little bit unfamiliar too, right? Absolutely, yes. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me today. It is, it's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be out of my house. I have uh, <laughs> sick kids. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, uh, the freedom of getting out. We have been stuck home dealing with new, numerous sicknesses. So pray I'm for us. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That and, time and of year. For us is, and for us as well, it's just that, yeah, it is that time of year. It seems like everybody thinks that this is a good time to get a cold all at the same time. Right? Yeah. So the Espinosa yeah. house is dealing with a little bit of that stuff too. But yes, it's, but, uh, uh, prayers, prayers, prayers for, for healing. And, um, you know, Lord willing, we'll have this all out of the way and feel really good and ready to sing Christmas uh, carols come the 24th and the 25th, right? Amen. Yeah, it's a very exciting time for our church. We've got you know, lots of things going on with our Advent services tonight and kids programs. We've got a school and preschool and daycare and Sunday school, so they all have their own separate, you know, kids program. So yeah, even in the midst of all of the, the remembering that we are uh, fallen and uh, deal with the effects of sin in our own flesh, uh, yet we can sing of his praise, especially in relation to these servant songs. Um, we also rejoice, you know, as we're getting ready for, for Christmas as a kind of some fun things for us as a, a congregation. We have like a, a 5K this weekend. So it's an ugly oh, wow. sweater, Christmas sweater 5K. So everybody wow. wears their ugly Christmas sweater and uh, the outfits are, are pretty wild and fun and then they do a little 5K and so it's a lot of uh, a lot of fun. So that's the Saturday. Yeah, well, that, that does sound like fun. I mean, it's the kind of thing that, you know, may, I would, if I were over there, I might be tempted to join, right? Because it's like maybe people wouldn't pay attention to how poorly I ran the 5K and they'd pay more attention to my ugly sweater, right? That's a nice. <laughs> Absolutely. <consoling. laughs> a, lo a lot of people walk with their kids and just want oh, to have sure. a good time with their whole family. So yeah, some people good, run good. it and there's, you know, we have professional timers and bibs and all yeah. those kind of recording things. But 
you know, a lot of people just, yeah, they they have that, but they're not really caring about their time. They just want to, yeah. because we have like carolers, we've got live nativity, we've got a lot of fun photo stuff and that's and great. all that kind of fun stuff for the community, but um, that, yeah, that they want to yeah, just go that walk. Sounds, that sounds really, yeah, that sounds fantastic. God bless uh, that endeavor and all the people of Trinity Edwardsville with health and happiness and good weather for that. Thank you. So... Turning to our text here, Isaiah 55, you know, this we've been saying this is a more popular spot of Isaiah, right? These um, chapters in 40 and 50, uh, the 40s and 50s, particularly around here, we saw just a couple days ago, we had that text that was used both as the Christmas text and the Good Friday text in 52. Um, over here in 55 here, this is one, this is something. It shows up in three places in the lectionary throughout, um, usually those like summer months here. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is a uh, this is stuff that we we see as kind of read uh, in several spots. You get the beginning part with the um, you know, come everyone who thirsts, right? And there's obviously some connections to some stuff that we've read before in the Gospels. Um, there's the the middle section that gets read in church too, the, the seek the Lord while he may be found. And then, and then the last part that we were just reading, um, j- just a, lo- a lot of lines that show up in lots of places. I feel like the challenge is seeing how it all fits together as one chapter in the same book of Isaiah that we've been reading through the whole time, right? Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> I think as you started off by saying that this is um, written to a people who... Um, were in exile and and um, as they receive it, they're looking beyond that exile. But as then they look back to this word, having been restored, they can see God's hand in all of that. And then as they look forward to the um, that that their restoration is a type of the the final and and fulfilled restoration in the coming servant man this is yeah i think that's how we piece it all together to to see the life of israel and then to see the life of of god's holy israel and and all of us all the nations then being incorporated into that covenantal promise through the line of david absolutely all right well let's let's go ahead and get started and get underway here. Would you say a prayer for us, um, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, for, for health <laughs> for everybody um, and for everybody listening as we get started today? Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, through this Advent tide, your word calls us to come, to return to you. Help us, O Lord, by that word and inspired word of your of your Son, to return to you in repentance, to turn to you, for you are the source of life. In the midst of our fallen flesh, there is only thirst, there is hunger, and no satisfaction. But in you, and by your Son, there is there is satisfaction, there is, um, there is a feeding, a feeding for us on a bread of life. Be with us throughout this Advent season to see in your Son that which was eternally needed for us has been given. He has come. Be with us in this time of year in which many of our listeners are dealing with sicknesses and struggles and hardships of the flesh. Help us be reminded that these things, they do point us to our need for Christ, and Christ has been given to us. Help us to look past them and be strengthened in the midst of them, in the grace that you have given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so before we start reading here in 55 verse 1, um, you have any preliminary thoughts for us, particularly with how this lines up with maybe what we read before with like 54, if everyone remembers from last time, 54 was where we got, um, I mean, there were, there were a number of things going on, but it was that kind of that metaphor of the barren widowhood, um, being turned into, uh, fertility and having lots of kids. So I don't know, any thoughts on how that context shapes what we read today? Well, as we look at our text, if you look at it, um, so from 53 in the, in the sacrifice of the servant right. to then 55 and through 54, now we've got almost death to resurrection. And this resurrection was not for one only, but in his resurrection, in Christ's resurrection, and the servant being called back into life, there is a blessing that he brings all these nations with him as as the returning of the exiles is not just one person but is a people now mm-hmm. in this coming forth into new life there is a springing forth of um not thorns or thistles um but there is um a, a real fruit uh that is being given birth with, with leaves and and um and life real life uh the curse is gone and what is brought forth in that final resurrection is a um, is a fulfillment of all of God's promises. So, um, the the work of the servant is now being brought to completion, and we see the benefit. So let's not miss out on that. Let us heed the call to come while this gracious invitation is here. Let's not look to this time and say this time is endless. Um, this time is finite. Uh, the time of of call to return to the lord so let's let's rejoice in god's grace and live in that grace as we look forward to that fulfillment in the resurrection yeah certainly i think that you're that's a nice way of tying it together that idea of fruit i i do think kind of ties the metaphors together you know both in terms of you know it's it's kind of that that resurrection idea that you know like the the seed, like the plant falls dies right the seed is planted it grows bears fruit uh, there's the idea of watering the earth the fruit the fruit of the womb talking about 54 in terms of reversing the barren widowhood and into uh, a plentitude of offspring that fruit idea um i think ties a lot of the the metaphors together and we're going to we're going to see how these I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot more that could be said, but that sure. thank you that that helps set the context. Well, let's go ahead and read the first portion here. Um, I mean, maybe just even just the first the the first two verses here, just to just to kind of get the ball rolling here. Chapter fifty five here on the English Standard Version of Isaiah fifty five. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Okay, so, you know, come, buy, and eat. Uh, that, that does actually tie into that, that fruit uh, idea that we were just talking about. You know, we don't necessarily um, think of it 
as like fruit so often, but I mean, you know, even things like, you know, wheat, you know, wheat, uh, this is something that I didn't even know till like too long ago, <laughs> but like wheat grows in berries, you know, you can actually, um, as, as I recently learned, you can actually just, you know, boil the berries and eat them and it's hmm. not half bad, or at least that, I mean, my daughters don't think it's half bad actually, but yeah, I mean, so it's like, it's all like this fruitfulness of the earth. And so the idea, I guess, is that it's so, uh, abundant that, there's there's no charge for it what what what's the metaphor for the charge or the or the how it's free though yeah because then it's um there's definitely language there that um appears a bit maybe uh unconventional i don't know um uh, mm -hmm. surprising uh come buy wine and milk without money without price so how is something bought without um without exchange of that you you would say just come and come and get it come uh, in, sure right but it, there's that buying yeah. um mm -hmm. so there is um there is so for for i i would say the right way of understanding there is a price the price is just not paid by us it's not paid by you it's already been the the exchange has already happened and then that's that connection back to um the work of the servant so he has he has done it he has been exchanged. He's the one who has redeemed. So he has redeemed this, which now we get to receive. So there is there is a price to be paid. But thanks be to God in his grace, he knew we could not pay it. Um, so there is um, there is a wonderful gospel in this in this whole section that runs through that the calling, the calling to come in this, you know, it, in the um, in the Hebrew, there is some words in there that seem to fall out in the uh, in the English. This you know, hey <laughs> you, <laughs> um, like this uh, mm -hmm. this, um, and it, it's there in the the King James. It's somehow it's fallen out of the uh, English English Standard Version, just because it's it's not certain um, how we can say it in in English very well. Ho, you know, yo yo you. Uh, come, um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Well, it is interesting that we've seen that word before. That it's it's, it's this hoy yeah. um, word, and it's um, I, I mean, it's odd because I'm I'm pretty sure isn't this the word of woe that we've actually seen in previous chapters of Isaiah? That like it's a word that's like it can sometimes signal um, something something negative. Even it, here, it's, it uh, can, but then it can also be like an intention, uh, like a tension word, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't like. Here it's that's and I'm not saying you're obviously you're not saying it's a woe word per se right. because because no, um here it's such a good it's like it's like everyone wake up you know I'm grabbing hold of you because this is I mean the the definitely there is a time sensitive nature to this message yeah. and that runs through this time too the time is now to get this food because you've been you've been living on things that don't end up giving you life there this is only death that it, it never will satisfy you but i have something that that gives eternal life i've got something that is real food um you've been so deceived that you think what you have is actually food and it's and it's not so come uh to that which is real wine and is real milk and it's without a price for you so this is uh yeah. it's amazing that, that, that is interesting. You know, the the word um, for buy, like, it, it's not actually the normal word for 
buy. Um, it, the word actually isn't even related to the word for for purchasing. It's related to the word for grain, um, which, which is which is sort of interesting, right? That that it's um, it, it's the idea is like you're um, you're you're like buying grain, right? Because typically when you go someplace and you get grain, you usually have to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but as you were saying, in in this case, it's it's actually that you're not having to pay anything. It, it kind of reminds me, though, I think they would have had to have paid uh, when Joseph stored up all that grain in Egypt when there was the, the, the famine and then um, when, when it was the good years, right? And then when the famine came, here he opens up the storehouses and it's like, come, you know, buy, buy grain. But here it's like there's this abundance and uh, you, you aren't you aren't paying for it here. This is the sort of um, place that you come to and they're just they're just giving it away and like how unusual is that but it's like it's the only place you're going to be able to go <laughs> to to get it this is the only place that has it everyone was going to egypt right and then they would have had to have paid for whatever they demanded but here this is the only place um where you're going to get food this is the only place where you're going to get this gift of of god and it's interesting to think about what that represents then as you were saying it's something that it has to do with the sacrifice of the servant um it has to do with a time of grace they didn't need to go anywhere if they wanted just to have literal bread and wine and milk they were in babylon and babylon had plenty of those things but this is an opportunity for for them to be satisfied right it says like everyone who thirsts you know this i think recalls for me uh, the Beatitudes, you know, when when Matthew, anyway, the way he puts it is, you know, everyone who thirsts, hungers and thirsts for, for righteousness, that this is the food that we're not talking about in terms of like, you know, literal stuff, though God is certainly promising that there's going to be literally, um, you know, food and, and milk and wine in the promised land. It's not going to be a wilderness anymore. But this is giving them what they've been longing for. What, what the exiles have been praying for 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 gen, like generations now. Yeah, and I think if we understand some of these um, uh, pronouns and things Christologically, that will help too. That Jesus is then, you know, like with the Beatitudes, this this is Jesus, right? He is the righteousness that we should be hungering and thirsting for, and he is the the water that never runs out. He is the word that doesn't return void. Um, instead of making it just simply neuter, um, I think if it's understand understood masculine, then it definitely helps us to then see Christ um, as a fulfillment of all of this. And then as the person who then um, is the object to then um, be received and to actually then satisfy which everything else is not eternal besides Christ. If our hope is in Christ, if our if we are looking to Him to be the satisfaction for our hunger and our thirst, then we'll never it will never run dry, just like we have you know in John John seven. And, and so the uh, yeah I think so putting putting the pieces together with John seven and the ESV is helpful because it does have that note about John seven and this should sound familiar from when we read it back in the back in the summer. You know, it says here, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So, yeah, you have this moment 
later on um, in, in the gospel where they're celebrating the Feast of Booths, right? And I, and I think that there's there's some good connections that we should be making about this, right? Um, at the Feast of Booths, and I think if I recall correctly, we were talking about that, that apparently a part of the tradition is that on the Feast of Booths, they would have these big, giant, like, water jars, and they would they would pour them out on the last day. And so Jesus has this pouring out water imagery readily at hand, and he's saying, you know, here, look, come to me, and I'll be the one who pours out more water than all of this stuff. It, it'll be a never-ending supply Interesting to think about what they're going through in the context of our Lord Jesus saying that later, and especially at the Feast of Booths. Um, you make anything about the significance of how this maybe could be kind of Feast of Booths imagery that connects these two situations? Yeah, because the Feast of Booths are, you know, tabernacling. You know, they're not, they're remembering their time in the wilderness, which is, is similar Obviously, we're understanding different time frames, but similar to not being in the promised land, right? Um, so being right. in exile, they're not home. <laughs> and God is right. promising to bring them home. So as they remember, they they then, um, they then uh, I say reenact, but that's not, I mean, they, they relive that reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, not just in pretend ways, but in incorporation. In, um, and so they are brought into that in that covenantal remembrance. And so they're they're doing that. So then these people who are not not in the promised land but are in exile are living in 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 booze like state and are being reminded that remember remember I brought you into a promised land and I you you had this flowing water that came from that rock. Remember, the rock is is the promise of the right. Christ. Remember what I can do and who I am. And and now you 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 forgot that you turned away from that. And now I'm calling you back because look, you you really are hungering. You really have a thirst that can't be satisfied here in Babylon or in any of the other nations. I am the one. Um, so yeah, I think. I think there is a, a mighty connection there in yeah. that uh, that way of seeing the people. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. I think that you could say that both the time in exile was was kind of like living in booths, was kind of like a wilderness wandering. But also, I mean, the Lord Himself through Isaiah describes the promised land right now as like a wilderness. It's been reduced to a wilderness because it's no longer this um you, you know plowed fields and vineyards and and everything in an organized productive way it's it's just you know animals are roaming it you know people are you know early on in Isaiah there was that image of people just like you know kind of like duck and run and you you kind of live out in a in a tent in a cucumber field or something like that because you're you're just like I'm trying to survive I don't want sure. to be deported by the Babylonians so you take this this state of wilderness the state of wandering and then you transform it, and you, you transform it with, I mean, what what did the Israelites get, you know, from God, as you were saying, the water flowing from the rock, right? And also food, literally, like, raining down from heaven, you know? So there's that connection, like, when you talk about God delivering this this food um, in this way, it, it can be really imagery of, like, the the exodus again. And, and that's what we saw in the previous chapters how this is being likened to when Moses lifted up his staff and parted the Red Sea. We, we saw back in uh, chapter 48 how God said, you know, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river, 
right? And later on, of course, we're going to see um, it really towards the end and back uh, all the way out in chapter 66, we're going to say, see, behold, I will extend to her peace like a river. So I, I, I do think that there is this idea of th this is yet another Exodus. Are mm -hmm. we are we losing track here? Is this like the third one now? If we <laughs> yeah. if we if we count um, the the return from the Assyrian crisis as like the second one, and yet as you were saying, there's another one to come in the Lord Jesus. We have to go into our break, but everybody, uh, hang on there. We are making steady progress here through Isaiah chapter 55 here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. God shows us a different kind of love. It's love for the world that is not of this world. Love that is focused outward. Love that gives without requiring anything in return. Dr. Michael Ziegler talks about that love and how to put it into practice this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 55. We just read these first two verses. We're looking at how there's this connection that we have between the exodus and the experience of being fed and, and given water in the midst of the wilderness. What's going on now in this return from exile? From uh, And then between those two things and then what we see in our Lord Jesus, who's there at the Feast of Booth saying, here, look, Come to me, everyone who thirsts, and I will give you water, and it will be overflowing um, up into eternal life, right, to kind of combine a couple of contexts there. We're joined today by Pastor John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, here with us in the studio today. If you have a question for me or Pastor Shank here as we're looking at this chapter, please do give us a call. Any questions or comments, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Or as always, an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Well, these first few verses, I think we have found, are quite the goldmine. But we should probably press on at this point, right? I think it's time. 
<laughs> yeah. So let, let's go ahead and read um, through through verse five here. Um, maybe, maybe just kind of progressing through things. I think we've kind of helped to to set the kind of context and some of the big themes here. So I think we will probably go through the rest a little bit more quickly here. But picking it up in verse three, then incline your ear. And come to me here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you did that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you." So now the, the picture, and you already kind of mentioned this a little bit, it, it's not just like, okay, this is, this is the, the food that satisfies the hunger that you've had, right? This, this is the opportunity now to get what you've been longing for for free, um, this return from exile, um, which, which represents more than just you know, a mere geopolitical relocation, as we were saying. Um, but here the picture has expanded to include this idea of like the, the nations. And, and you, you mentioned this a little bit, um, you know, it's mentioning David as a, as a witness to the peoples. And there's this, this identification of a nation that did not know you, um, a nation that you do not know. So what's, what's being brought into the picture here? So as, as the message of salvation has come, which we hear at the beginning, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live as this message of salvation has come to the people of Israel, they, they then are enlivened. Um, this, uh, this does become a signal, a, a light to the nations. And, and as that light of salvation is shining, shining forth from a people that is glorifying God for what he has done to them who, who are, who were nothing, right? Um, as they are being, um, uh, giving such grace and, and such mercy in such a miraculous way of, um, first the return, um, and then we can see it holistically as salvation um, for for all of us who believe that that has an effect. You know, the the world is now seeing these people who were not a people have been made into a people, and they are glorifying the one who did it. And that word, as we'll see, does not return void. God is working and is calling the the nations to receive the promise that He has made. Um, to their forefathers, to Abraham, that this will be a, he will be a father of many nations. And this is, is coming to, 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 to the, um, to the fulfillment in these words. Yeah. I, th I think you're, you're right on. Like we, we, we had to remember, you know, in those, in those previous verses, this reminds me of chapter 53, how we were looking at, of course, 53, a description of our Lord's, um, uh, atoning sacrifice and his vicarious suffering that there's that description that operates on the level of describing you know what 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 we see on a crucifix but that also functions as a description of the exiled community because they were marred beyond human recognition they were not recognizably a people or a nation anymore you know they didn't they didn't have their own king they were just people living in babylon that kind of happened to be from other places you know they were they were not distinctively a, a people so as you were saying God's going to make them into a people again. There's this resurrection of the people of Israel. You know, for 70 years, it appeared that there was no people of Israel. And now, um, in verse 5, you know, this this people that's that's no one, that's not a people, becomes a people. And then the people that are left in, in Judah, the survivors who are not living as a people, they will run to you, right? 
um, and this people will be reconstituted, as you said, in the view of all the nations. So, I mean, yeah, in, in, in the same way that, you know, it's like when, when King David stepped up and, you know, I mean, like that really kind of put Israel on the world stage in a way of speaking, you might say. Everyone was like, hey, look, that's that's the people of God there, you know. Yeah. Um, he, here it is, right? God, God's people visibly in view of everybody else, as you were saying. Um, and it makes it clear at the Abraham. end of that verse, right? Because the Lord your God... And of his holy one of is the holy one of Israel, for he has glorified you. So the actor, right. the doer of all of this, that is causing them to be a nation and is causing the nations to come to him, is all because of the work of God. Right. Exactly. Um, so let's, because I feel like we're already anticipating mm-hmm. this point where it talks about how this is like the the word of God that's doing all this stuff. Um, let's go ahead and read the, just the next four verses here. Um, this builds on it, um, and, then, and then we'll finally be able to turn to that verse 10 that I know we're, we're, we're looking forward to. So here it is at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So these are words that, I mean, they certainly are just bigger than their context even. I, I find myself going to that verse 9 all the time that just, I mean, what a succinct way of just putting how, you know, we can't put God in a box and assume that he's always going to work in the ways that we think he should, right? You know, my my ways are higher than your ways, you know, he says. But... I think that in this context here, right, it's, it, it's. I mean, like, I guess, how how is it that God's ways are higher in this, sure. in this context? Sure. I mean, I, I have an idea, but I want to I want to see what you think too. Yeah, I think the people of Israel, if if they're seeing all the things that they have gone through, um, right. they they were complaining. You know, where where is God? You know, He has abandoned us, um, and so they they need to be called back into repentance, which this call is all about that, right? Repentance and, and faith in the Lord and what the Lord is going to do. And so here, he's like, you, you guys, none of you could have known what I'm doing through this. Even right. this, even your unfaithfulness, which brought about the exile, I'm going to use for your salvation to return you and to save you. Right. Um, how could you have ever known that? And that just works out through, you know, I just, I can't stop thinking. I, I had a, a devotion for Our Lady's Aid uh, a couple weeks ago as we we're, you know, going through Christmas and um, reading um, Matthew and, and hearing about Joseph. He w- This was the worst day of his life. <laughs> the worst day of his yeah. life to hear that his betrothed is with child. That's the salvation of mankind, and yet he did not know in that moment. His thoughts are not God's thoughts. His ways are not God's ways. But but boy, did things change when when the word of God goes forth to reveal to him that gospel message. This is not going to be the end of you, Joseph. 
Israel, this is not going to be the end of you. Instead, I am here to save you through it. Um, so I, that's definitely how I see all that. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think this is basically saying, like, my way that's so much higher is the way of the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- that's really the mystery. It's that I work through these, I work through disasters. You know, I bring good out of evil, you know, out of things that, that seem despicable and, and humiliating and not worthy of God. Those are the things that you're going to find me in, actually, right? I think that's, the, you know, kind of that, that theology of the cross kind of logic that Luther emphasized for us so well that, you know, they, they thought to themselves, like, God's not in this. God's not in us being basically wiped off the face of the earth and brought to Babylon, you know, for 70 years. Like, God, God's not doing it. You know, Cyrus comes, he conquers. It's a foreign king. He's not in this. And the way that God is higher and, and loftier than us is that no he is in that despite our expectations which you know as you were saying you know that applies with the same thing with joseph uh receiving the the news from the angel to what the apostles and the crowds were expecting jesus to be you know god's ways are higher than their ways which means ironically that he's actually mysteriously present in the lowly things even though we don't expect it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that actually fits really well the context of exile. And speaking of the context of exile, this sounds familiar too. Seek the Lord while he may be found. You know, it's like, hey, guys, this is your opportunity. And I think that in a real, real life sense, I mean, that was their chance to go back home. You know, the, the people who did not go, I, I guess there were a couple waves, right, we saw from Ezra to go back home. But the people who did not take that chance... Um, to go back home might not have gotten it. I mean, this was when right. Cyrus was saying, "Here, I'm going to provide you a guard. I'm going to provide you with an, an escort with all the materials." Right? It's not like the future kingdoms of the earth were going to be so generous. In fact, they weren't. <laughs> right. right. And if you are going to remain, then really, what what was your hope? You know, what were you what were you trusting in? Um, what was your desire of your heart? Um, because it. It could have been things were going pretty well for you if you've you've you know laid yeah. you laid some roots down. Um, right. But what what is those roots sucking up? What what are you eating? And that that goes back to the beginning where that those things are not actually good. <laughs> That's not actually right. anything that you you're spending money for things that are not good and not satisfying and, and are rotten. Um, yeah. So no, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thank you for bringing up that aspect, right? Because he was saying that earlier. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? You know, like basically, there's this hole in their hearts. You know, that's like we want to be the people of Israel again. And some of them are thinking that, well, we can get by and satisfy that desire by really embracing ourselves, our new identity as Babylonians, right? That really, if we, you know, maybe maybe the Babylonian way of things th- that can really fulfill the Israelite destiny, right? Um, and that's what you saw going on and this, this blending, this mixing of things, you know, like you were saying, like the plants soaking up this bad water, but you know, God's saying, no, that's, that's not actually going to work here. You need to wait for me. I'm going to be the one who provides you with like the true thing that brings satisfaction and identity and purpose and all the rest. And it's here in this moment through Cyrus of Persia, right? Because the governments that are coming next, man, uh, the, the, I mean, you know, think about the governments that come next, right? I mean, um, the Macedonian government is just going to, well, it's going to be there in, a, in the blink of an eye and gone again. Right. But then you got the Seleucids and the Romans. They're not going to be so friendly, you know, um, towards, towards Jews. Not, not at all. Um, in fact, they're in different ways going to try to wipe them out. Um, at, 
So, I mean, it's like this, this is uniquely this moment in history. God is working through it. You know, take advantage of it. Go now. Get out of Babylon. It, I mean, over and over again in this section, it's like I, I know it looks good and looks shiny, and you maybe are thinking this is where you can find your new home and your new purpose, but you are but a stranger here. This is not your home. And the way is not, like you've said about the, the way of the cross, it's, it's not going to be easy for them. And so right. when they look for the easy way, it might it might be a way that, is, and in the end, is not going to, obviously, as the word of the Lord's teaching us here, not going to satisfy at all. Um, but the way of trusting the Lord is calling them to just to, to to walk this road with with the Lord and and follow Him, and to trust that His ways are greater than ours. Um, and that I mean that obviously has amazing applications for us today, and and all the Definitely. struggle that we're going through as congregations and shrinking and all the all the struggles of of just being a faithful Christian in in a in a in a society in a world that kind of laughs at at those things and maybe even worse soon uh, than laugh, um, but. You know, the the call to be reliant on him and to actually see that this is satisfying all of our needs. Yeah, I I, I think so. I mean, that's a very that's a very you know, pastoral application there that we we can relate to the exiles, I sure, think. Sure. We, we look we look around at the world and it feels like we're in Babylon and that like there's a whole different set of, of values. Um there's a whole different mythology. There's a there's a whole different worldview going on and We've been out here so long, and we're kind of at this point. We're wondering when the exile is going to end, right? Like we, <laughs> and this is very interesting in the American context because a lot of us thought that, well, we're going to win this culture war, and then America is going to be, you know, reborn um, in its Christian identity once again, right? And then it, these days, we're like, it doesn't actually look like that's going to happen, <laughs> um, is it? So, so there's there, there's this question of like, okay. So, hmm, and, and then, so the other, I guess, like what we were saying, like like the exiles were tempted to say, well, well, but maybe that's okay. Maybe actually Babylon isn't so bad. And there's this kind of this effort to kind of, you know, rebrand Christianity in a way that's amenable to Babylon and, and, and kind of basically embracing the alien views and values that we find around ourselves and say, oh, well, no, Christianity... Christianity is really about those things, actually, you know, and we can we can and su- we can support and embrace all those things around us. Like uh, this is actually like like the, the fulfillment of what the what Jesus was really talking about, you know, and and that's so. Th- yeah, there's a lot of analogy there. I think. What 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 do you think? Yeah, I, I yeah, obviously I agree, and and it's it's all going to come out the next in the last few verses. Then what really is it that defines us as Christians? What really is it that not only defines us, but creates us? What, what is it that unites us and saves us? What then sanctifies us? Uh, who is that? And um, yeah, we can do a lot of false hopes and a lot of things and purchase a lot of um, a lot of things that we think were bred and are not. And um, it's really easy. It's really easy. It's very, tempt, you know, the temptations for us to put our trust in a lot of things that are not trustworthy abound, abound for us. And so then the call to return to the Lord is just such an Advent call, right? And then mm-hmm. that call to hear him, to to have our ears open. And then that's really the, con- 
the conversion, not of a, of a society, but of a person. So our call is not to convert a societal nation, but is to, to, con- is to convert our neighbor by the proclamation of that call to come, right? And, and is to trust in the one who is actually working, who is that word who works. And we just trust that this is who we are. And as right. we are who we are, we, we rejoice in what he has done for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and that, that it's helpful, right? Not not by converting a nation, right? I mean, that's not what it's what it says here. It's not like, well, but you know, here the word of the Lord, you know, I'm going to convert the, the, the state of Babylon, right? You right. know, I, I'm I'm bringing in Cyrus. He's going to adopt um, Yahwism, right? And he's going to enforce that over all the nation. That's what I'm doing. Like, no, that's not what he says, right? He says, you know, I'm going to rebuild my nation, right? In other words, I'm going to rebuild my church. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the conversion, it does not take place by forcing one country into a different religion, but it happens by building up a people, and that, that people is the church of God. And so, I mean, you know, hypothetically, I suppose, a nation could convert if everyone in that nation happens to join the church. <laughs> but then <laughs> right? you're saying it, right? Every Everyone, right? Exactly, so yeah, it's, yeah. When we, when we deal, and we deal with this with, you know matthew 28 it's it's not about countries it's it's about peoples and here the nations are about peoples um, exactly because god cares about his creation and not about what you know the segments of property or land right so we're so we're looking at this this community this community of the the promise here and as you were saying so what what makes this this community what what act, i mean what literally what what makes it yep. what what makes it exist what what sustains it right let's go ahead and read the last four verses put them on the table as as you were saying it'll uh, connect the dots i think yep so again uh, we already read it at the beginning of the hour but it's just because they're just such great verses uh, so 10 and 11 but also 12 and 13 for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. <laughs> so, I mean, just what a beautiful description of the ret- the return from exile. I mean, just like we were saying, you know, God's going to actually, through Cyrus, going to actually going to say, hey, you know what, here you go, here's materials, here's what you need to do, the sacrifices, here's the gold, here's the money, right? And you're going to be, I mean, literally, they're going to be, you know, led forth. They're going to have, it's not going to be they're, they're running, like, away from Egypt like they did running away from Pharaoh. You know, here they're going to be going um, in, in a controlled uh, way where it just seems like everything is being done to help them to be successful, right? They're going to go out in peace, not in, in worry and in haste, right? And then when they get there, yeah, it's not going to be a bunch of briars and thorns anymore in Judah. God's going to cause, uh, through this return, the, the land to to be reestablished, for there to be new growth, for there to be new life. And that picture is one of a real-life situation that really happened, and it's one that should give us peace, too, because it's, it's a sign. It says in verse 13, 
it's a, an everlasting sign. It it really happened, but it's a sign for us of things that are happening now and are still to come. Yeah, because then um, if this was only only a historical lesson about um, the people returning from exile and and getting to go to a plot of land, that right. is a great lesson. And I'm right. still damned in my sin, right? right? So there is so much more there, and and it's of course what you're saying, right? That that this people in their return becomes a sign of God's gracious activity, and then we can then go back and say, okay, well then, how is God's gracious activity brought to us? Well, it's through His Word. His Word goes out, much like the the water cycle doesn't return void. There is fruitfulness there. Well, His Word goes out, and I would say I think it it helps if our people um, kind of uh, you know replace the its of eleven with he's. Right, so that they can understand. Yeah, you, you, um, you're mentioning that earlier that there's um, that that technically speaking in Hebrew there is no it. Right, right. It, it's there's there's just he's and she's, and that's that's kind of anyway. I mean, of course, just on a grammatical level, it's like you know, if, if anyone knows like Spanish, like everything is a he or she, like a telephone or a desk is a he or a she, right? So we can't make too much of it, but it's suggestive. I think is what you're saying. Right, it's suggestive. So yeah, and I. So in English, there's nothing, I'm not saying that our English Bible is wrong or that there's an error here. I'm just pointing out that then that helps us to connect it to John 1, right? That this word is the Logos, right? This word yeah. is the Son of God who is God in and of himself. So this, this um, the, the Father sends forth his Son who is the Word, and this Son does not return empty, but in his resurrection... In his resurrection, he there is um, there is a fruitfulness that is brought forth. He doesn't just he doesn't rise. He is not raised up alone, but he brings a whole host with him. Um, so I definitely see this. Um, uh, yes, we can definitely uh, you know. Normally, when I hear this word, it's it's all about conversion uh, and the proclamation of the gospel, and that's true. But we have to see the proclamation proclamation of the gospel is about one who had done the work, and yeah. and in his resurrection, now the proclamation of the gospel incorporates us in, brings us into his death and resurrection, so that we are brought up from the grave. And, yep. and that's that whole, um, you know, it won't be cut off again. There, there was that, um, the the tree, the the cedar, the the um, uh, the stump of Jesse. Right. It has been cut off, but now there is a a sprout, um, and and this this is given new life, and, and it's not like it was before. It's even greater that we're not we're not returned to a um, a thorn and thistle. We are. Um, we're, we're even given a greater sense than just the uh, Garden of Eden. It's even greater than that. A absolutely. And, and, I, and I agree. I think there's something providential about how in, in the two languages that God primarily used to originally speak this word to us, uh, Hebrew and Greek, that, you know, in Greek, ologos, and then, you know, hadabar, um, in Hebrew, they're both singular masculine nouns, right, that, that, that are kind of literally he, right? The word, he, the word, as you were saying, goes out, you know, from heaven, goes down into the earth when he, you know, became one of us and also died as one of us. Um, and then 
in the resurrection, as you were saying, bears fruit, you know, and you have that language that Jesus is called the first fruits from the dead is the language of the New Testament, right? So, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. You got to, I mean, even even bigger than kind of just, I don't know, because sometimes these words are used to just merely describe, you know, whenever, I don't know, kind of like whenever you read the Bible, something's going to happen, yeah, right? Which yeah. is, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's something to that, right? right. God's word is, um, there's something efficacious always, certainly, sure. about, about, the, about the word. But as you were saying, the bigger picture is that Jesus himself is the word um, that is doing this transformation. And our, our Lord's own story is the story of the exile, the return from exile, the exodus and the Passover, the resurrection is the fulfillment of all these things. The, the return from exile is a sign of the resurrection, the, yeah. one, the one that our Lord experienced and the one that we will one day as we join him. So all we're saying is, you know, when we rejoice that the word does not return void, we're just saying just put some flesh and blood on that word and see that Jesus does not return void. Therefore, when Jesus does the work of your salvation, it is for you. You can trust in there. And then when you go into, you know, verse uh, verse 12 and, and you see the joy and the rejoice and the clapping there, it makes more sense because it's joy and rejoicing that the work of our salvation is done and it's complete it is fulfilled and 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 it's for me and he did it i don't have to worry that is it done is it is it fulfilled am i incorporated into it am i part of this people you are because you can trust in the word made flesh who has saved you rejoice right yeah no absolutely i mean it, it's it's present tense it, it it happens now in the reality of the church through the sacraments i mean that's what it's getting at in ephesians 4 when it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives right is the language right you know jesus the word does not return he's not ascend to heaven empty-handed he doesn't show up and say like well well dad like here i am I'll, at least i made it up here no I mean, the, the message of Ephesians is that you know, we actually, through faith, through baptism, already sit in the heavenly places with God. He has ascended, um, not just you know as an individual, but he has ascended as the whole people of God, bringing us all up to him in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for helping us to see the Christological dimension here. 13 verses, but so much for us in our own day and age. Thank you so much, brother. Always a pleasure having you on. God's peace everybody. Pastor John Schenk, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Thanks for joining us today. We thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out at lhfmissions.org. Moving on to Isaiah chapter 56. Until next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.